video killed the radio star, though. I know, I was. That's the. Uh, and Thomas Dolby is the uh, is the author, well, of our late late departed theme song. Um, everyone thinks it was uh, that it was. Uh, what's his name? The sledgehammer guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I know you're talking about. Um, and sort of Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, but uh, of course, uh, and and of course, it, it ultimately was Peter Gabriel that we stole that 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 music that that tune from. Um, but I literally directly stole st- is such a harsh yes, harsh I, term. I did a little mashup. All right, um, only I didn't do a mashup of Peter Gabriel. I never actually ever used audio that came from Peter Gabriel. Um, I the mashup that created the UCAP theme like fifteen years ago. Was a, was me Matt doing a mashup of a Thomas Dolby mashup of Sledgehammer, um, and uh, and I, I can't say for a fact that Thomas Dolby hadn't sampled some of the original Sledgehammer stuff, but I didn't sample any actual Sledgehammer stuff. I it was all Thomas Dolby stuff, um, and uh, but we haven't used that now in a few months since we since we've uh, had our change of life. What are we using? Where do you, where you, you mean you don't listen to the podcast and, and have heard our brand new uh, award winning Jack? Jack. Yeah. You still there? I'm here. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was a sign that you couldn't hear me anymore. No, it was, it was just, you know, yeah, let's okay. move on. <laughs> uh, we don't have a theme song right now. Um, we've been, we've been kind of going commando and uh, <laughs> that's a song. That's the title right there. Going commando. Um, no, there's been no theme song. There's been relatively little uh, audio uh, after, you know, post-production. Uh, I mean, I mean, adding stuff other than the, we've been, we've, we've gone back to use doing the disclaimers for, you know, as you know, we had these really, Really cool disclaimers that yeah, were contributed yeah. by listeners over the years, and we kind of drifted away from using the cool ones, and perhaps recklessly we can, we drifted away from using the disclaimer in in, in any form um, because 15 years later nobody tried to sue us, which I don't know if I'm actually hurt by that, but anyways. <laughs> Um, we're we're going to actually erase this entire part of the. Uh, I don't know. This will never make it out into the wild. We'll see. I control the horizontal. I control the vertical. Anyways, uh, yeah, well, you control paying for the attorneys too. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but we uh, we uh, um, but I have started since the change of life. I have started using the disclaimers again, just because they're fun and and uh, and it's been so long since we've heard a lot of them. So uh, yeah, we should get Gilbert. Godfrey to record one for us. Uh, wait a minute, Gilbert Godfrey is is uh, is on the. Isn't he a a, a, a Me Too victim? Not victim. Me Too uh, oh. a, a, a bad guy. He may be. Yeah, he, he um, may be. I just yeah. flashed on the idea of uh, oh hell, what was this guy's name? Comedy screamer. Lewis Bobcat Goldthwait. No. He's dead now. Oh yeah, the uh, the pseudo uh, evangelist guy. Oh, Sam Kinison. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Him reading the disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Well, that will that would be even more difficult. But uh, you know, we have talented listeners. You never know what might appear in, in our email at some point. We could always try a seance and see yeah. what comes out of that. Yeah. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to the text of the disclaimer script. And uh, and uh, if anybody wants oh, to re- revisit that and send it to us as a, as an attachment to email, that would be that would be oh, kind of cool. That's that's gonna be 
That would be kind of cool. Um, talking about things that you can play with at home, um, David, what's this runway? <laughs> I thought that was a very good segue. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm just in a different I'm sorry, I'm just in a different mood today. That's all. I guess so. David, what is the FAA's new runway safety simulator all about? Runway safety pilot simulator. Welcome to the 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 here and now. This isn't the future. This is the here and now. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, at runwaysafetysimulator.com. Can you imagine that? Okay. Uh and I haven't opened it, it, but the description of it makes it sound sort of like a video game that you can use to earn your FAA wings patch. Well, they give you a couple of scenarios here, and you uh, click on them, and as the scenarios play out, you get to uh, change views, uh, to change views of the videos based on actual events, and respond to the scenarios. What would you do, mm-hmm. and would you do it right? And if you didn't do it right in the uh, in the simulator, you may want to book some time with the CFI and work on that. Oh, okay. Mm. I mean, and is it like, is it just question and answer, or is it a photorealistic kind of sim- game simulation? Fo- photorealistic kind of. Really? It, it's kind of a PowerPoint-type presentation of scenarios, and then you ah, get okay. to pick the option. And, okay. Uh, uh, and yeah. how did you do, David? Did you crash? I, I haven't tried it yet. Uh, well, see, I, I think that's your homework assignment. I, I, think. I, I saw that and grabbed it before it went into the before that email went into the round file. Uh-huh. And, okay. Uh, and then never got back to it. Um, it's been one of those weeks where uh, yeah. ambition has been at a low ebb. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it's like a biorhythm thing because I also have had an awkward – sounds like Jeb's the one who's had the – you know, Jeb's had the upbeat, uh, uh, happy week this week. Um, no, yeah, it's starting to become unhappy. Well, that's only because you're here. Well, um, there's that too. Um Okay, uh, so the video simulator. Well, that sounds like a useful tool. I think we should all check that out. And uh, we actually have a story coming up later on the list um, uh, re- related to that. But uh, for pacing reasons, I'm going to leave it till later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, some, some of you all try it out, listeners. Uh, let us know what you thought of it. Yeah, yeah. Give us something um, to talk about next time. That's right. Speaking of uh, tell, listeners telling us what they thought, um, so we got an uh, we got a couple of emails from listeners this time um, that uh, I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first one is from listener Mike P. Now, first of all, it's interesting that mis- listener Mike. I'm not sure where he got this impression, but um, he congratulates us. He says, "I just finished listening to episode 500." All right, which. I wish I could do that because I was going to say, where did that? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know whether he got, maybe somehow, I should listen to the podcast. Uh, either he got confused or we made it unclear somehow, some way, but he did specifically mention the episode. Let's see. Now it's the episode where we talked about the jetpack flying over LA. Yeah. Which episode was that? Let's Fair just enough. go and, and actually see here. Uh, let's see. Now this is no, not that one. Is it this one? Uh, it was episode uh, 1010, uh, 1010, that uh, he's referring to. Oh, here. yes, yes, yes. Um, and, uh, but uh, I'm trying to think of 1010 is actually, what's 1010? 1010 is an interesting binary number. I forget what it is. It's like, wait a minute. So, one, two, oh, see, now I'm 
pressuring myself here. That would be a one. That would be a two. So it's two, three. I don't know. Listeners will tell me. Or I could ask the internet. Anyways, uh, Mike P. Uh, wrote, I just finished listening to episode 500 where you mentioned the jetpack sighting at LAX. I don't know if you have seen the jetpack that has been flying by a company in California for some time, he writes. Very similar to the Bell jetpack that was in the James Bond movie, but uses two mini jet engines. And then he refers to a website called jetpackaviation.com, which I don't have on my screen in front of me right now. Um, although it does bring to mind some um, video that I've seen recently about a guy who's wearing a couple of jet engine-ish things on his arms. Sort of Iron Man-y kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? What does jetpackaviation.com show me here? Let's see here. Ten, ten, and binary is ten. That's why it's significant. I knew 1010 in binary was somehow significant. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yes, the pa- now I'm looking at Jetpack Aviation, and this is the one that has... Wait a minute. No, maybe not. Hang on. Let's find a better picture. Uh, ooh, a Jetpack Speeder. Sort of Star Wars-y um, thing. Um, that's you don't wear it. You actually sit on it, sort of like a Jetpack motorcycle. Um, that's, that's a it. Jetpack Jet Ski. Exactly. There you go. Jetpack, jet ski. Um, little stubby wings. It must have a lot of jet power, engine power, to be able to fly with uh, maybe it gets a lift. Okay. The, oh, they are. They point down as well, don't they? Yeah. Okay. How much? Because <laughs> I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah, you want one, huh? Okay. Yes. Uh,. You could launch from your uh, side yard. Your lawn's already pretty ripped up, so what the heck? Yeah, what the heck? Yeah. You know? Uh, oh, and just think if it had the uh, capacity, you could fly it to the uh, grocery store and load up and fly back. Yeah. yeah. Just land in the parking lot. Yeah, they would love that. Once. They, once, right, exactly, exactly. Apparently they're uh, not selling it. They are, they are like, giving you a day with it um, for five grand. So wait a minute. So you're telling me this thing actually exists to the point where you can rent time on it? I, it it's just struck me as being, you know, basically it's a Fusion 360 project. That's, that's actually uh, two days. Forty nine fifty for two days. Uh, <laughs> reduced for a limited time. Used to be forty nine fifty for one day. That pricing makes a lot of sense for them since you're going to kill yourself on the first. Day. Uh, it's it's it's, um, it's uh, insurance will be included in the cost. So, well, it's all set. but who are they insuring? Right. Yeah. What, what's insured here? Yeah. yeah what's, exactly. what, tell me. Tell me more about what's insurable. Exactly. You know, it's how they're getting their seed funding for version two of the jet pack jet jet. What do they call it? Jet ski jet pack jet pack. Somewhere we have an insurance underwriter. Yeah. So um, in his chair. Listener Mike P. suggests that this might be, and it could be, it's plausible. That, it certainly that, could be. That, that this was the aircraft, with little finger quotes, air quotes, um, um, that was, was sighted near LAX. Um, let's see now. He also writes, uh, he says, you also mentioned uh, about the 737 MAX discussion about the angle of attack warning indicator. And he writes, uh, Mike P. writes, if I recall, the airline... Um, the airlines could order a warning light for a defective AOA indicator, but some airlines did not order that option. However, the light was installed on the aircraft even if it was not functioning. So, as a result, many pilots believed they had that capability. This is the way I remember the story. And, uh, and it, that, that could well be true. Yeah. 
and it's just as goofy so- sounding now as it as it was back then. Um, well, if memory you know, serves, there was also an option for dual AOA veins, right? Uh, but uh, a lot of the overseas carriers, in particular, uh, decided against spending the extra money, right? So they didn't put that in. And one of the functions of the second one was to tell the flight crew if they were not in agreement, if they didn't match, that something was wrong. And you can't do that with just one. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like yeah. uh, if, if number two is not wired up, they always don't. Yeah. Well, no, they, they match sometimes and others. Okay. That's a. It's a, well, it's you a, need a third one to be tiebreaker. It, it's a broke clock thing. That's the way they do uh, spacecraft, you know. I, yeah, I sort of knew this, but didn't know this. But um, so if you put a computer in a, you know, like on the Mars rover or these various satellite things that are going out into space. Um, you, you apparently it's nearly impossible to shield slash harden a, a computer well enough that whatever gamma rays or these magic rays that are shooting through space um won't possibly affect the computer all right and make the computer glitch um and so you obviously you got to have more than one computer um but in fact it's routine apparently it goes all the way back to apollo days that there are th- even now there are three computers on board all of these spacecraft as as i've read um and um and there's a very very um um you know elaborate uh, scheme for checking um and comparing the results from all three computers and then there's a set of rules for what happens if mm-hmm. they disagree you know and if, if they disagree but two agree and if they all three disagree yeah. then it's just kind of a thing um it's it's kind of interesting from a computer scientist which i'm an amateur one um point of view anyways mike p thank you mike we appreciate it that's uh that's interesting and that could could well be the jetpack in question i don't know i we i don't think we've ever heard anything more about that story from from i've not seen a whole lot of follow-up on it either i think if one uh, somebody did go uh, um and and avail yourself of this training uh, i would closely inspect the jetpack and see if it has some silhouettes of 737s alongside um um, right have they (laughs) or or you know uh, lax uh, uh, with a check mark by it or something i don't know right yeah yeah okay yeah all right well, let's see now. Now I got to get back in where I was looking at the wrong. I almost, I opened the next item on the list and I go, "Wait, well, we talked about that before." And I realized I was still looking at the old show notes, so the, yeah. the, the old version of the list. Anyways, Jeb, how you doing? What's going I'm, on down? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are things it's, down in Florida? How's the weather been? It's it's been delightful actually. Uh, we had you know, like the first cold front of the season come through, and uh, brought us some lot a lot drier, cooler air. I've been getting up in the mornings, and the temperature outside is basically the same as, as it is in the house, which is, you know, low 70s. So mm-hmm. that's that's a great thing. It's a, yeah. Right now, I'm looking at blue sky and and uh, some wispies uh, uh, higher. You know, typical afternoon thunder showers in the forecast, but mm-hmm. uh, they're not, the percentage is not as, as high, and the coverage won't be as great. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, we're, we're starting to transition into what you folks call fall. 
Yes, right. No, I know what you're. If uh, seasons are different, I lived in California for a long time, and I, after being there for a while, I insisted that there were seasons. If you were there long enough, you noticed. Yeah. seasons. No, there's seasons here too, and, and they're I'm just sure not as stark. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, you 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 allude to your your lanai. Um, you, at least in my mind, you did um, that that you can step inside and outside, so to speak. Um, I really admire. I lust for your. <laughs> I lust for your eye. Okay, that's maybe the wrong choice of words, but uh, I. I love your lanai. I love Lust, the lusting for the lanai. That was like a '63 uh, uh, top forty hit. That's where I heard it before. Yeah, um, I really, really like that kind of architecture. That's my kind of thing. And uh, if I were ever to move to Florida, I swear one of the biggest reasons why would be so that I could have that kind of home architecture. The idea uh, that there's a relatively you know, uh, uh, a minor barrier between inside and outside is very appealing to me. When, when I first moved down here, I thought it was like a state law. You know, well, it seems, if you look around, everybody's got them because yeah, you know usually yeah. the lanai is surrounded by a screenhouse of some sort, yeah. and often with a pool also included. Um, yeah, state law. I, I I know what you mean. So. Uh, um, and this is one of the, you know, I like where I'm living right now in, in, uh, in downtown uh, Dover, New Hampshire, but uh, or near at the edge of downtown. But uh, and I generally don't mind apartment life, but I don't have ac- easy access to the outside. I, like I don't have a porch that I can just kind of step out onto the porch. That would be really nice. Yeah. Um, I have to like go into the hallway and down the stairs and then out the door. And uh, um, I don't I've, know. I've had a deck or or a patio or something like that um, in in successive houses for several yeah. years. So yeah, I, I get that. I, it's currently that's high on my list, if not the top of my list of where I live next, wh- yeah. where, wherever that might be. So, yeah. anyways, cool. what you been working on? Anything fun? Um, no, not really. Um, um, couple of, couple of side projects. Nothing really work related. Although I'm I'm gearing up for the drum roll, please. November issue of Aviation Six. So I mean, yeah. we're getting down to. Uh, uh, close to the end of the year, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But uh, uh, here I am working on, and you know, I won't have to file it till October. So, I mean, uh, we're running out of 2020. Some of us would consent that that's a good thing. I know. I saw somebody. Yeah, I was chatting with a, a cashier in a in my local drugstore the other day, and we were just kind of bemoaning the the whole 2020 thing. Yeah. yeah. And she told me she said she said uh, that she's not the kind of person who really gets all excited about New Year's Eve. Um, it seldom stays up until right. midnight to that's celebrate. A, that's a that's an interesting observation. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and she said she said though that this year she plans to stay up till midnight on on new year's mm-hmm. eve just so that she can say good riddance to 2020 yeah. and i'm going yeah you know that makes that's, sense that's that's uh, very sage of her actually. don't let the calendar page hit you in the ass yeah, on the I way know. out <laughs> i know you know and uh hopefully to hoping 2020 21 is gonna i mean i guess some part of 2021 has to be better um it may start out rough but uh um it's it got a, okay which start it, out rough or get better? It, it will start, start, out, start out rough. It will yeah. start out rough. Yeah, it's definitely well for various reasons. It's going to start out rough. It will start but, out rough. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so well, on that cheery note. Yeah, on that cheery note. Now, but you know what you need. Here's what you need I know, on your lanai. I, I know. I saw this and right. obviously put it here. And I just, I'm like. <sighs> You need one of those airline beverage snack carts. Exactly. Um, And and, and the idea of having the cart itself is not unsound. 
Okay. I, I kind of part company here when they stock it as they stock it. And now what are we talking about here? Charge it, charge for what they're charging. Um, this is Qantas, the, the Australian carrier. Um, uh, recently uh, mothballed or turned over or uh, sold or whatever, all of its uh, 747s. They're, they stopped flying 747s. It was a big... It was a big deal. We we I put something on the list for several yeah, no, episodes. I think ago. we've talked about okay. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. we talked about that. Or they drew a the st- the logo, the stylized kangaroo, um, um, on uh, with a flight track um, thing in, in when they when they flew it off to a band for retirement. But um, they're selling, or I'm sorry, they were selling quote fully stocked 747 bar carts yeah there okay. we go perfect um they wanted fourteen hundred dollars australian australian which you know but i think australian money's roughly which is equivalent 1048 in, in u.s dollars yeah, okay, according, yeah. according to the but they didn't they wouldn't um ship it outside australia so uh, uh, us norte americanos were, were kind of behind i the guess curve. you would have had to buy a 747 as well to get it here well but yeah. then it wouldn't have been stocked <laughs> yeah for sure it would have been picked over <laughs> yeah okay but you know um, they, they have i don't know what t- tim tams are i'm guessing some sort I, of candy yeah i believe that's an biscuit champagne snack, almonds Amenity kits like you know a, um, a toothbrush and a blindfold and you know things like that. Uh, a bl- two blankets and I don't know what a sleeper suite is. Um, maybe it's a, um, a pullover, uh, a disposable piece of, piece of clothing or something. But yeah, eighty bottles right. of red wine and eighty bottles of white wine. Um, and I'm thinking I can probably get by uh, without all that. So the car having the cart itself would be kind of cool. I don't no, necessarily need yeah. everything they throw on it. Well, it would sure fix your New Year's Eve party. <laughs> I mean, two bottles of champagne. Yeah. Uh, 160 bottles of wine. <laughs> small bottles now. Small bottles. Um, but the 80 were the equivalent of 20 standard 750 milliliter bottles like you'd get at the liquor store. So there was a lot of wine there. But with all of that, savory biscuits, salted almonds, mm-hmm. smoked almonds, blankets, uh, just roll that out into the lobby for the New Year's <laughs> Eve party and let them at it. In the immortal words of Slim Pickens, shoot, a guy could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all right. Um, we're going to have to ask, we're going to have to speak to our Australian listeners about this whole Tim Tam yeah. thing. So I just sent yeah. you a link to the Wikipedia page for Tim Tam. Okay. Um, you can buy them on eBay, apparently, here in the U.S. Um, I, what I, What is it, just real quickly? It's a chocolate-covered cracker, basically. Um, uh, it's very, very reminiscent of, a, a, I can imagine, I can't think of the name, but I can picture oh, yeah. a, a, an American you know, cracker cookie product that's the same thing. It's, a, um, it's, it's something the Keebler elves could have whipped up. Exactly. It's a, it's yeah. a, a cracker of some sort it might be like a graham cracker kind of thing i don't know exactly but it's, well, it's, it's like, got a filling and it's coated yeah, in plastic. Okay. Oh, yeah. that, that sounds actually fairly fairly tasty 
Yes. No, it does yeah. actually. It, yeah. it actually. But here's the better part. All right. Apparently, there's a thing surrounding. So, um, you, you don't just eat Tim Tams, according to Wikipedia. Um, and I really, really want to hear this from our Australian friends. But um, there are various. I don't know what you want to call them. Um, um, events, practices, competitions. The Tim Tam Slam is apparently a thing, also known as the Tim Tam Shotgun, the Tim Tam Bomb, the Tim Tam Explosion, the Tim Tam Bong, or the Tim Tam Suck. Sorry, folks, that's what it says on Wikipedia. Um, it's a practice of drinking a hot beverage through a Tim Tam. So apparently it has like a channel, like a straw kind of thing. Opposite ends of the Tim Tam are bitten off. One end is submerged in the beverage, and the beverage is sucked through the biscuit as though the Tim Tam itself were a straw. Well, here we go. It's an all-purpose podcast. You learn something new every day. I'll tell you, that's not necessarily something I wanted to, to learn. <laughs> but the Tim Tam itself sounds sounds it, tasty. It, it does. It does, actually. It's, well, it, the description makes me wish I hadn't skipped breakfast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It consists of two malted biscuits separated by a light chocolate cream filling and coated in a thin layer of textured chocolate. That's, yeah, that's it. That's, that's a very. I, I'm blanking on what it's called. But I'm picturing a, a, a U.S. available um, or U.S. brand. I don't know how to characterize it exactly. Um, cookie cracker that is very similar, but uh, like a Twix, something. And maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think the Twix although I don't know if you can use it as a straw. I, this clearly yeah. that's the distinction. You can use it as a swizzle stick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't, don't ask me how I know this. How did we get into that? What were we talking about? Tim we, Tam. Uh, oh, oh, uh, carts. Uh, Qantas carts. Yeah. Yeah. Qantas yeah. carts. So, um, but I, anyway, I, again, all this is sold out. So, I mean, they sold out. I don't know how well, many they have, but they're gone. You and I then have a mission. Maybe Jeb, maybe Dave will want to get involved too. You we need to I get an, a, a beverage cart when we go to Sun and Fun next spring, because I'm relatively certain that I've seen such I've, things in the, the 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 flea market, fly market there. Um, so um, we're, uh, we're going to well, let's, let's see what eBay has to say right now. Okay, you look at that. All right. So, anyways, we're going to a kind of serious one next. Though. I'm trying to figure out how to change the change the uh, tone here a little bit. Um, yeah, all kidding aside. So there was a crash. A B25 crashed um, this past week, um, uh, and uh, this was literally uh, this was a, a forced landing that didn't. Well, I mean, and. Last I heard, according to this story, and this is an AbWeb story from four days ago, um, as of the time of this story, um, everyone has survived. A few people um, had needed some medical help, but uh, everyone survived. Uh, two, this you know, three hurt in B twenty five crash landing. This is from uh, AvWeb, uh, September twenty. Two people were taken to a hospital, and a third was able to walk away from a crash landing of a B twenty five in Stockton, California, on Saturday. Local authorities said the aircraft, which is known as Old Glory, I'm trying to figure out if I've, I'm sure we've seen Old Glory at one of the uh, shows at, at some point, experienced some sort sort of mechanical failure, and the pilot was attempting a forced landing when the mishap occurred. Um, quote, the plane attempted a landing in an open field and appeared to have struck an irrigation ditch, uh, end quote, the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office said in a statement. That's uh, a shame. I've seen, I've seen this airplane. At the, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no idea what the mechanical failure was? Uh, not in this story. And I, I this is a four-day-old story, so maybe there's more news. Um, but uh, I, the, And that was what sort of caught my attention. Um, and I, I'm... I'm 
totally not second guessing the choices of the piloting crew here. Um, I'm I, I, I'm will not be at all surprised to hear that they made exactly the right choices about how how to uh, save themselves and their and their you know passenger or passengers. But um, a mechanical failure resulting in a forced landing. I, I just kind of, I, I, I don't know. Is it me? Those two don't exactly go together. A mechanical failure would mean that you, you know, you would try to get back to an airport. What, what's the nature of a mechanical failure that say well, mechanical failure could be lost engines? Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Could you know? Could be the fuel selector failed. Uh, and you're right; it totally could be that. But that usually they, you would say that. Well, we, you know? we don't. We, we don't know. And this this is who is reporting this. This is Nile, Russ Niles. He this is, okay. it's, it's Adweb, but I mean, they've got to go with what they've been told. No, agreed, agreed. He's he's and the day after, right? Usually yeah, not a lot of yeah. I I just looked at. I'll look at NTSB in a moment. Um, I just looked at at the FAA's preliminary accident uh, site, and they don't have any uh, yeah. any additional information. They're sim- simply saying substantial damage. Aircraft crashed under unknown circumstances. Right. Um, okay. It's really f- new. It, ha- it just happened. Yeah. You know. Um, I just hope they restore it again. Well, I, I literally restore it again, again. Apparently, this let's see now. This is the second major accident. I'm reading again from the story. It was the second major accident for this airframe, which is owned by a New York um, corporation, but the aircraft apparently is based in Stockton, California. Um, it was damaged in a forced landing near Reno, Nevada in 87 and underwent 18,000 hours of restoration that was completed in 1995. Oh, there you go. Just keep it away from Nevada and Northern California. <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. really. Uh, so uh, I just checked the NTSB site. It's not up there yet. It's not there yet. Yeah. 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 So, uh, um, yeah, because the diminishing number of B-25s in the world, and that's, I mean, all these historic aircraft diminishing is sad, but I, I, I've always liked, admired B-25s, um, both for their sort of lines and capabilities and design, and they have an awesome, obviously, a a, a wonderful history um, of serving. I'm a big yeah. fan of any air, any any medium bomber that can get off an air, aircraft carrier. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. of course, one of their big notable claims to fame, is their, yeah. that uh, whole Doolittle raid thing one uh, one thing also um if in fact the mechanical failure was an engine and it happened shortly after takeoff closing the throttles and landing the airplane in the best available spot is probably a good choice yeah okay. the, air, the airplane has a relatively high spread between let's say liftoffs or rotation speed and minimum say single engine speed of about 45 miles an hour yeah and that's a fairly that's, wide gap, and losing an engine um, at an airspeed below 145 is, is uh, not a good day. Right. No, I agree. And I just, again, I want to be clear. I'm not challenging the choice made. No, 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 no. I, I'm not uh, either. I'm just kind of uh, curious that that wording was yeah, just, you know, they don't know any. They don't know any different. That's all I've been told. And, and this apparently was taken um, from the, the local sheriff's office. Uh, right. Yeah, and so, so you know, I don't, I don't, we'll, we'll know more the next time. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't trust the local sheriff's office. Uh, no, I mean, uh, they, when it, it comes to describing aviation events, I, so. I, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So, okay, well, glad the folks are okay, and uh, it's sad about the airplane, but they've repaired it once before. Maybe they'll repair it again. Um, you know, yeah, we'll it see. doesn't look totaled. 
if they bought the included yeah, the, insurance. The, the, the right engine in, in the cell and mounting um, is going to need some work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gets, uh, can't even see the, the left engine. And um, looks like the landing gear, I can't tell anything about the landing gear either. So, uh, But the basics are there, and it'll fly again. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've never actually one of these days. I mean, on my bucket list is to get a B twenty five right. That would yeah. be that would be fun. I think. Anyway. I happened. I, I had a chance a couple of years ago to crawl all over one in a museum uh, with the, with a, a docent uh, kind of guiding me and, and telling me about the airplane. And uh, mm-hmm. um, I climbed up in the left seat and, and you know all that kind. Of, I was sh- really shocked at how small the inside of that airplane is. Oh yeah, yeah. all of those things are. Yeah, yeah likewise, it, it, I got. I'm sorry, David, go ahead. Yeah. I say inside, it's really cramped. Yeah. And the trip from uh, up front in the cockpit area back to the uh, tail gunner's spot, uh, you've got a little catwalk to go over the Bombay. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And uh, it's an interesting place to be with the doors open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, I, too, got a chance to crawl around. We talked about this on the podcast. You may not remember. Um, a few years back, I was visiting Will Hawkins out in California, and uh, the uh, – I'm always is it it's the Collings Foundation, right? Right. Um, and their their tour of uh, of a B twenty five and a, I forget what the other aircraft it might have been a Mustang. Um, we're visiting um, um, Moffett Field out there, and uh, Will and I went out to see it. Part of the reason we wanted to go see it was because one of the pilots was an old buddy of Will's, and uh, we had arranged to meet up with this pilot who uh, took us into some of the roped off areas of their B twenty five that day, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I like got to go up and sit in the left seat and uh it's yeah, it, yeah. can you imagine being in battle in being, that kind of an, and getting shot at yeah exactly and, and there's nothing between you and and the outside especially yeah uh other than some 03 to aluminum yeah it's, it's can amazing. you imagine being in the bombardier's bubble when it came <sighs> off the aircraft carrier Oh yeah, right. When yeah, I know. There, there's ocean water. Go away, further away, water, further away. Anyways, okay, all right. Hey, hey, Captain, the water's getting a little close. A little cap, cap, cap. Pull up. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Got my toes wet there. Jack, what have you been up to lately? Uh, also, getting ready for you know, just kind of uh, enjoying the onset of uh, of fall as best we can here. Um, I, you know, people who longtime listeners know that I'm not a winter person, um, and especially in these pandemic days, I'm really not looking forward to winter. But I'm trying to do my best here, and uh, um, sadly, it's starting to get too chilly. I may have had my last. All long-time listeners will also know that I'm a breakfast person. I love my breakfast, I'm going out to diners for breakfast. And uh, uh, for the past few months, I've been going to an outdoor um, seating thing here in Dover. Um, and it's starting to get a little bit chilly at breakfast time the, um, to go and sit outside. And I'm not ready to eat inside yet. So uh, I may have had my last diner breakfast Put until... on a jacket. Uh a jack jacket. Yeah, I know. It may come to that, but I've been paying a lot of attention to, you know, to it's like a couple times I've delayed my breakfast a little an extra hour just so that it would like get to 60 degrees or something like that. So uh um but I've anyways, been, I've been having afternoon coffee. Well, occasionally morning coffee at a little place called the R Coffee House near my house. And, yeah. And uh 
it's been brisk enough that I've been wearing a little light jacket. Yeah. Uh, sitting there sipping my latte. Yeah. I mean, and, and being, you know, um, uh, later in the day, I think for some reason, it, you know, first of all, it does get warmer. And uh, the other problem is that my diner is oriented such that the outdoor seating is never in the sun. All right. It's kind of on the side of a building that's going to be always in the shade. And uh, as a result, it, 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 that makes it also feel a little bit chilly. But anyways, it's getting to be fall and uh, we're, you know, kind of just, just trying to survive. I mean, we're going to survive. We're going to make it. We're going to make it through this thing. and uh, But uh, it is getting to be, be fall. Um, still working on getting my shop set up. Um, that's a slow process, and I still haven't moved that motorcycle. I've got to one of these days move that motorcycle. Well, you, um, you've survived all the other winters so far. So Well, yeah, okay. Usually I don't have to be here all the time in the winter. Um, <laughs> usually I get to travel all over America, including to warm places throughout the winter. And it doesn't look like I'm going to get to do that this winter. So uh, it's going to be a different winter than I've seen in, in quite some time. Uh, Everything gonna... about 2020 is different than you've seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The other thing I'm working on these days um, is uh, I'm, I'm doing more and more iPhone and iPad programming. Um, and uh, I've got one sort of really beginner project that I'm not going to really talk about because it was mostly a training and learning thing that I've got a handful of friends um, helping me test right now. Um, but I'm, I'm a, I've got a couple of ideas for other iPhone and iPad um, uh, programs that might be interesting to people. Um, uh, and at the very least, they had to do with sort Sort of making social media work, maybe. I don't know. I have some ideas. Um, and so I, I may, over the next month or two, be looking for some iPhone and um, i users who would like to play with a development experiment. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be totally for fun. You know, n- neither you nor I will probably make any money off of it. But uh, if you're interested in playing along um, the home game, so to speak, um, you could also send email to jacketuncontrolledairspace.com. Um, th- this would presume that you are an iPhone or an iPad user. This is not going to be Android at this time. Um, so uh, that um, checks me out. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry about that. Love to have you involved. But uh, so anyways, that's a lot about uh, some of the things that I've been playing around with and just, just trying to stay busy. And uh, it's getting to be time I have to go back to work in somehow, your, some way. i got to go back to work. This is in crazy. In truly copious free time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I managed to keep busy. I'm good at finding stuff to do. Um, but the uh, income thing is starting to become a bit of a challenge. And so... Uh, so anyways, before we get back into the list, I just wanted to uh, say that, uh, um, you know, if uh, to all of our great listeners, if you like what we're doing here with this podcast, please consider supporting it with a financial donation. Uh, as little as a few dollars a month from you is a big help in covering the expense of doing this podcast. You can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Uh, I'd like to thank a, a couple of rec- uh, listeners who have made uh, recent PayPal uh, donations, Todd and Michael and John. John, thank you very much. Uh, or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via the service Patreon. Uh, and uh, thank you to some of our uh, recent Patreon supporters. Uh, let's see now, uh, Jim and Jonathan and Patricia and Mark and Larry and Jan and Tim uh, and everyone else who supports us on Patreon. Uh, you folks are the best. Thank you very much. For information on how uh, uh, you can do this automatic monthly support, check out patreon.com slash Controlled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. And if you didn't get any of that stuff, it's all on our website. Go to the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate it a lot. 
What's next here? Uh, uh, so uh, we heard again from anonymous airline pilot, um, a listener friend of ours, um, who a few episodes back. Uh, let's see, I got to open the right window here. Give me a second here. Where'd it go? Uh, uh, who uh, we had been talking about all the aircraft that are parked on various ramps around America, airliners that are parked, um, and he gave us some direct uh, eyewitness reports about that. Um, and uh, and now he's following up on another conversation we had uh, from uh, UCAP 1009, your discussion of the FedEx gear issue in LAX, quote-unquote, jostled my memory. He used the word jostled. Is that an airline airline pilot term? No, I know it's not. My memory um, is of a, he writes, a 2005 incident with a, uh, a GV, what's a GV? Gulfstream Gulfstream 5. Gulfstream 5, uh, belonging to Nike. He said they took off from KHIO, Hillsboro, Oregon, uh, east of, of uh, Portland, and due to some corrosion in the gear mechanism uh, on the inner door, the right main gear, got out of sequence, lodged between the two main gear tires, preventing its retraction. They were headed to Toronto, so they had plenty of fuels and fuel and circled for five hours trying various solutions. They even tried what you asked about, which is an attempted bounce down with it's what he calls it, um, of the gear. Uh, he, he says there's video of this somewhere. Um, he said they eventually... I, I remember that event, and there is video out there somewhere. Yeah. He says they eventually shut down an engine to remove hydraulic power from that door and performed a negative G maneuver, which is also how I would characterize that. I don't know if that's a different maneuver, um, which eventually dislodged the gear, and a normal landing was preferred. Um, he says there's video out there. He gives us a links to a couple of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, web articles articles so uh yeah you remember that jeb huh that I was, uh, yeah. now is that the one that's pictured here a little bit lower in his uh, message um i didn't what, click I, on any of those links Let's there appears to be I, I would call that a Gulfstream five with only one gear extend one main gear extended david are you saying yes that's the one yeah that's the airplane yeah that's the airplane okay well and, uh, so it's yet another example of no no it's probably the same one um and then he goes on to some some is there is this the, he talks about yeah Jeb you commented about what the G limitations might be for transport category right, aircraft, right. Um, and uh, and our airline anonymous airline <laughs> pilot friend clearly knows the specifics and so he gives us some information here about what they are with the flaps up and the flaps down. Uh, he says this is standard. I'm kind of summarizing I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, I've heard of hard landing inspections are triggered in the neighborhood of one and a half to one point eight G touchdown. He said, "Oh, he says he suggests so the FedEx pilot going back to the FedEx thing could have tried to bounce down the gear by actually touching down on the one extended gear is what I think I'm reading here." Um, he said, "However, asking a line pilot to do a rejected landing, yeah, which is yeah. practiced practiced maybe once a year, our friend writes um, in the sim, all right, and to try and bounce down a gear invites other risks." Um, and uh, so he said, uh, he, f- he closes by saying, it seems the FedEx crew made a good choice and did what many airlines train their crews to do, which is create time and expand your team as best you can. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Any comments about this? Any observations here? What are the no. odds of somebody being there to get that picture? Yeah. Um, it's a lot different to try some of these techniques in your Piper Arrow or your Bonanza than it is in a 767. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, the mass is different. The runway requirements are different. The speeds are different. You know, all this kind of thing. But uh, I think the, the point we made when we talked about this episode the first time was just a, a textbook exa- textbook example of using all the tools available yeah. to, to achieve a favorable outcome. So Yeah, I agree. And we did talk about that, and I, and I kind of like the way uh, uh, Anonymous Airline Pilot yeah. phrased it by saying, uh, create time mm-hmm. and expand your team. Um, so... Uh, and this cool. tickles this tickles me. He says I was literally walking the bike loop around Bowman Field in Louisville as Dave was relating the story of the one seventy two that caught the wires over the Ohio River. Yeah, you know, he seems to be everywhere. You know, it's kinda of like I think I've actually seen another I think he sent me a text message the other day saying um that I, I was just there. I, something else we were talking about, I forget now. I may put I'll I'll add that to the notes next time. But uh, yeah. So uh well thank you, Anonymous Airline pilot and uh it's good to hear from you again um it's it's actually really good to be hearing from you and uh um my understanding is that uh, you may be able to speak publicly at some point and we would love to have you join us if that kind of sounds like ups to me but hey i'm just i just work here yeah right uh what's next here real real quickly real quickly just to fill in a a gap and close the loop um ebay has airline uh, beverage carts Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, there's they're they're pricey. Um, uh, here's one for nine hundred dollars, or make best or make an offer. You know things like that. Uh, so they're out there. If, if someone's inclined, it's not going to come with all the Qantas uh, stuff. Prices go up from there. That's all I can say. Okay. Well, yeah. there we go. It's yeah. like oh, you know, and uh, and we also know where to get Tim Tams. So you- and we all we, we're we're good. I mean, full service podcast. Full service podcast. I alluded to this earlier. This is a, uh, a video of, so this is from the Bold Method um, website. Really, really uh, a good, um, interesting um, website. Um, somehow associated with our friends at Gen, uh, uh, GA News. Um, but, uh, um, they, and that, I think that's how I heard about this. Um, and they publish a lot of interesting articles about um, aviation practice and, and, uh, and you know, safety things and, and whatnot. And this article um, is uh, just recent. Um, Oh, no, it's not. It's from a year ago. But um, I just came across it recently. What would you do, the headline says, what would you do if an airplane taxied in front of you during touchdown? And, of course, this is a, an interesting hypothetical question when when you're thinking about it in training. But we have here um, a cockpit video of this exact thing happening. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a, a little bit of a sobering piece of video. I don't know if you guys have listened to it, uh, watched it, rather. Um, it's a, a, a small aircraft. For some reason, I want to call it a Cessna of some sort. I don't know why. Uh, 172, it's – wait a minute. It's a 172. No, both, 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 172. both airplanes are 172s. Both are 172. So 172 on final, very routine final to touchdown. Um, uh, the landing 172 is either touchdown or just about to touchdown uh, when another 172 taxis out um, across the runway in front of him. Um, and and yikes. I mean, I just watch this video and you go, holy moly, now what do I do? You know, now... This particular pilot chose to firewall the throttle, all right, um, and and we lose sight of the uh, of the uh, um, the uh, 
Intruding aircraft. Yeah, intruding aircraft. Um, but the account says that, and, and obviously they didn't touch. Um, we, we're, we're relatively sure of that. Um, the the account says they came very very close, um, and then the the landing aircraft managed to climb out, and uh, that's the last. That's the end of the video. So uh, I don't know if that's the choice I would have made, um, and I'm curious what if you guys want to want to speculate on what choice you might make in this kind of a situation has this ever happened to you i guess that's a first question not not that close no yeah okay or not that not that potentially close yeah david have you ever i mean this is really close this this is i if this hadn't if the landing air i i would go so far as to say if the landing aircraft had not done something evasive they would have contact they would have struck each other Um, this was going to happen um david has anything like this happened to you yeah once really Um, um And I caught the intruding aircraft out of the corner of my left eye uh, just as he came. He not only came in front of me, he came over me and down from the left side. And uh, like, is he landing? Is he going around? What's he doing? Oh, I don't give a... And firewalled it at the same time that I rolled the pitch trim down and didn't stow the wheels until i was 500 feet up and had the flap stowed and the guy came over later and apologized and uh, it complimented me on doing something quick enough to you know prevent wrinkling any metal on either of our airplanes mm-hmm. uh but uh, i i was i'm that i'm that I was a little bit edgy, I think, in my. In my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a fresh pair of pants kind of. Yeah, situation. not not all that conciliatory. I'm, I'm not sure I would have been either. Well, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you got to. I, 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 one, one thing. Yeah. I'd like to comment on though is um, basic concepts behind defensive flying. Yeah. Uh, so you're approaching a runway. And yeah, you've got your eye on the airspeed and, and managing the airplane. This is, happens to be, of course, a severe clear day, and doesn't look like it's all that bumpy or windy or anything like that. Um, the the arriving airplane is aiming basically for the numbers, the runway numbers, and touches touches down fairly close to them. Um, the runway isn't specified, but it appears that it's several thousand feet long. Um, I've got to think I've, uh, that I would have seen, and this pilot should have seen, that taxiing airplane approaching the runway. I, I agree with that. And, and, and landing beyond that taxiway would have been a prudent choice. Okay, okay. That's, he didn't, that's he didn't not have a bad to, lesson. He didn't yeah. have to touch down before that taxiway intersection. He didn't have to touch down on the numbers. There appeared to be thousands of feet of runway remaining beyond that taxiway. Right. And if it had been me, I would like to think that I would have adjusted my glide path and landed beyond that taxiway. Okay. Uh, that's that's a reasonable lesson. Thereby, thereby eliminating the possibility of any kind of a conflict. I, I likely would have made the same choice slash mistake that the landing aircraft made, which was even assuming that I had this taxiing aircraft in sight, I would have made the assumption that it was going to hold short. Um, and, uh, and and apparently it seemed to have been moving. Now, if you'd seen it taxiing and maybe 
noticed that it wasn't stopping at some point, you know, yeah. maybe that's that would have been the the, the 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 milestone you would have been looking for is that he's in fact stopped because, um, you know, oh, that's the other thing is that he seems to be moving pretty fast. I, I, I wonder if maybe he was so far off of the away from the runway that the landing aircraft didn't even really see him. I mean, it, that like, could well be, but he was just it, so it, far it, out of the it, environment. Shortly after the landing airplane touched down. The airplane entered field of view, and it was fairly close to the runway. I don't know the geometry, and I'm not I'm not ragging on this pilot. Yeah, um, but I'm just saying there's another option here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, would you have fired firewall? Don't you think? And uh, I mean, I'm not sure. In a 172, um, depending on the loading, yada yada yada, I may well have. Uh, keep yeah. in mind, it, a lot of that also depends. If this is a later model 172, it had maximum 30 degree flaps versus an earlier one with max 40 degrees. 40 degrees um, on a go around from from the pavement in a 172 as a little much you would want to get some of those flaps retracted sooner rather than later yeah a 30 degree skyhawk um going around with full flaps should not have been that big a deal um i don't know what i would have done i i there's another school of thought that says hey you know I'm on the ground. If I go around, I'm not going to be on the ground anymore. It is better to hit something on the ground than it is in the air. Yeah. Well, and, and, Always. And, okay. And I, I, I might have just stayed on the ground and slammed on the brakes, um, done everything I could, including maneuvering behind the crossing airplane, even if I would have taken out a runway light or something. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And that's and the article refers to that being a, a mediocre choice because you're going to go into the grass. And I don't think that makes it a mediocre choice at all. I don't, I don't all. think that makes it a mediocre choice at all either. Um it kind of, it, uh, some of it kind of depends on the airplane, but the flip side of that is it doesn't really matter. I, I Once you're on the ground, maybe it's a good time to stay there. Yeah, that was my my first impression when I watched this was that that would have been my choice. I mean, you never know in the in the stress of the moment, but but it seems yeah. to me that my choice would have been to maneuver behind this intruding. Let aircraft. me let me hasten to add that miraculously well miraculously is not the right word uh fortunately this turned out for the the best outcome for everybody right and and the pilot got to log another landing (laughs) well there is that silver lining yeah Uh, just gets better and better yeah uh when i I first saw this on the on the uh list i was like well okay go around from you know conflicting traffic yada yada yada. i think we've all had someone pull out onto the runway as we're on short final um mm-hmm. and and have to go around um yeah. uh with perhaps strong language to follow mm-hmm. uh, as i say i think we've all had that probably but um that's not the same as this event Right, because it happened so last yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there were. Yeah, you were. There's, there's more decisions to make, and and this pilot made a good decision. There are other decisions one could make also, uh, other than maneuvering and, or or adding power, going around, uh, landing longer, landing going, longer, going behind. You know, he could have, you know, slammed on the brakes and and turned to the right and and maybe come parallel with that conflicting traffic. Yeah. Um. Again, what you do once you once you decide to stay on the ground is is, um, I, yeah, well, okay. Let's call I, it. Let's say once you once you're on the ground, what you do next is up in the air. 
Mm-hmm. Personally, I take your suggestion of of landing long. If 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 the uh, if the if the taxiing aircraft is not clearly stopped, yeah, then land beyond. And it wouldn't it. Have taken, or, or don't land, or yeah, just plain go around. Just, you know? just yeah, don't land. Um, it wouldn't have taken much power application to to get the skyhawk, the landing skyhawk, into hover mode to go beyond to go beyond that. And, okay, and to, and to land beyond. Yeah. All right, David. Any final thoughts on this? Just as long as you miss it. Yeah, yeah. What's going Hor- on with you? Da- Horseshoes and hand grenades. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, what's going on with you, David? How's the weather in Wichita? Uh, it's uh, unusually fall-like. Uh, yeah, but now we've been down this road before. That means it's eighty. Is that what you're telling me? Well, it was fifty-eight here overnight. Okay. Yes. There we go. And, That's what. And- Barely hit eighty yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, I think the progs for today are mid eighties. And let's see, what's the outside thermometer? How do y'all it's live? Sixty one like degrees right now outside, so, <laughs> but it's clear blue, and we have been plagued a little bit by California fire smoke, and that's had a lot of uh, yeah. I mean, no, but in sinuses in an uproar. Oh, really? Oh. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I'm that's, sorry. That's what you, that's what you're going through, Jack. I, you know, I. Well, that's a whole different story, David. Um, so, yeah, you really literally plagued. You're not just like, you know, red sunsets, right? Um, right. Ah, that's yeah. interesting. I. The reason I suddenly had this epiphany. Um, uh, so, uh, one of the byproducts of pandemic was I discovered that, and being home all spring and summer, which I haven't done in ten years, is I discovered that I actually have allergies here in New England when I'm actually here, um, and they had finally calmed down, like uh, you know, late summer, mid August ish, and uh, and then suddenly in the last few days they flared up again. I couldn't figure out why. I wonder if it's because of the smoke. I, that's really interesting that's an interesting idea what are you working on david what's going on are you having any fun i'm uh, doing doing some of the regular stuff uh i finished up uh, one magazine last week i've already started work on another uh i did have a very very pleasant evening yesterday uh with a a, a friend of mine whose name you'll recognize uh, uh paul bowen uh, oh sure met for uh a couple of uh, brown bottles at uh, one of the local brew pubs Mm -hmm. sitting outside at a table in the shade nice breeze uh good beer uh pleasant conversation that i uh i could do that more often yeah, well, be nice to do that more often for sure. Nice well, that's great. That all, but, yeah. yeah, I know, huh? Um, well, that's great. So, uh, that's it. I mean, it sounds like maybe work has calmed down or not. No, uh, it's steady. Good. Uh, I finished two last week. I've got to do two in the next uh, uh, in the next week, and then three more the week after that. Uh, and I'm trying to minimize any new projects right now until I figure out uh, what may be happening with a, a family member mm-hmm. that, yeah. that may require uh, 
travel a long distance on a very short notice. Right. So right. I'm I'm going to get the little coop over to my uh, my mechanic on Monday, and the work's not due until uh, early November. But I figure I'll I'll go ahead and get the oil and filter changed, the tires rotated, and all the uh, cabin air filters changed because I know they'll be loaded right now, and uh, have it all prepped to go in case I have to uh, haul myself out to Indiana on short notice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, otherwise, just uh, I've already started thinking about uh, holiday presents for folks because I'm not sure I'm going to get back there over the holidays this year. Yeah, well, we're going to chip in and get get Jeb a uh, a, a, a snack cart. Um, <laughs> actually, wait a minute. Last Lo- already loaded, had, loaded or unloaded? I already had a gift for Jeb. What did I have in mind for Jeb? Oh, that's right. I was going to get Jeb a uh, laser pointer for his gate to play with his gator. Oh that's yeah, a, yeah. That's yeah, a Twitter yeah. thing. I don't know if we talked about that on yeah. the podcast or not. But uh, all right, uh, David, what's the story with um, um, this book? This I and I'm, I'm going to. I really hate that I'm going to mispronounce her name. Shyesta, Shyesta, why, why Shiesta. is? Shasta Wades. Shasta Wades. Um, what's this book, and why is it significant? Well, she uh, started an organization called Dream Soar, uh, and has done a book uh, t- talking about her life story and the challenges leading up to her dream of flying solo around the world, which she accomplished. Uh, and uh, the book is available now. And I think what makes her story particularly uh, uh, worthwhile is that she's not in America. She lives in the Middle East where women being able to overcome social uh, barriers is quite an accomplishment. And she uh, got herself trained, got her license, uh, got an airplane, flew around the world. Now she's done a book about it, which I think would be really good gift for uh, young ladies in the household when uh, the holidays come around. Or young boys. This is a great story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. great story. Uh, and uh, I, I wish I had a chance to meet her. I, I believe she was at Oshkosh last year. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I don't know. The years are all screwed up now. I know. 2021 is another year. Maybe we'll get a chance to get her on the podcast or something. Anyway, or we'll have the link in the show notes where you can take a look at the uh, book cover and uh, decide if that's uh, something that you want to put on the list for the youngster in your household. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And now, um, you're really depressing the heck out of me, Dave, because you put a story on the list about flying in the snow. Um, what, getting ahead of yourself here, but what, what's the significance of wet snow? This is an NTSB news release. Wet snow flight hazards highlighted in NTSB safety alert. So apparently it's not just you. It's the NTSB who's trying to bum me out, too. Um, well, this is worthwhile information. Um, um, Annie and I were in our Comanche at Spirit of St. Lu- I'm sorry, Cherokee at uh, Spirit of St. Louis uh, years ago. Um, we'd uh, had freezing rain overnight, and then it stopped, and we had the airplane in a hangar being de-iced by thermal uh, correction because they didn't have their de-icing fluid truck out yet. Uh, and sun cleared up, the sky cleared up, everything's sunny, 
we got the airplane all cleaned off and all the water removed and no ice and then it started to snow Mm -hmm. and we checked the air temperature outside and it was uh, 18 19 degrees and in talking to flight service it was like you know pull the airplane out don't let it sit in the snow but let it sit outside until the temperature equalizes it matches the airframe matches ambient temperature and you should be okay i was told and in fact that worked out we flew uh of a uh 400 mile trip we threw about 150 miles through a uh, snowstorm and uh you don't want the strobes on when you do that uh, <laughs> man does that give you some traces but the, the the important thing was that the airframe was too cold for the snow to melt and stick so it nothing stuck to the airplane uh we didn't even have uh snow or ice on the prop uh when we uh made a, a precautionary landing because fuel con- fuel consumption was not what it was supposed to be and uh you, you want to know how cold it is you want to know what kind of snow that you're going to be getting into because if it's wet snow it will and if the temperature is high enough like 26 to 30 degrees uh it'll melt and refreeze yeah and now you've got a nice up airplane then trust us when we say they don't fly very well right right i've met a handful of what you want to might want to call right stuff air pilots in my life you know serious qualified badass pilots if you will um and and there's only a handful of things that they almost all tell me are you know it's like nighttime aircraft carrier landings and ice i've just so many pilots just don't mess around with ice period um i've never had occasion to because i'm not that kind of a pilot but uh you know except i've been on board jeb we picked up some ice i think I vaguely remember that time that you and I flew to um, to Wichita. Yeah. Um, and I believe, for some reason, I want to say it was on the trip back, and we were in the clouds. Okay. We're, we're yeah, I don't. Along. It was like October ish, mm-hmm. as I recall. Yeah. We're motoring along in the clouds, and we, and and at the exact same moment, we both noticed that the outside air temperature was like thirty one degrees or something mm-hmm. like that. All right, mm-hmm. and we suddenly went, "Oh, okay, maybe we should start paying attention to this." And I think we looked and maybe saw the tiniest bit of frost, and yeah. you made some changes. You you had took us up or down or whatever it was you did to yeah. to uh, get us out of that. Um, and uh, another time, I was. I don't know, do you remember that incident? I, I vaguely, yeah. I, I, uh, I've had more than one episode like that, so uh, you know they kind of blend together after a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not disputing whatever you said. Yeah. <laughs> another time, I was with uh, another flying buddy of mine, and we were up in the Pacific Northwest, flying from Seattle back to some place in Central Washington State. I forget what town it, what it was. I want to say Yakima. Is that up there? Anyways, and if you know the geography up there, you have to hop over some pretty big hills to get um, from the coast to the center of Washington. And and it was it was a cloudy or a snowy day. Um, snowy day. Why would it have been snowy? Because um, we were coming back from Oshkosh. All I know is um, we did, in fact, pick up ice. I, I remember very distinctly seeing ice on uh, 
on the uh, 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 I must have been the uh, it couldn't have been the pitot tube because that would have been underneath it must have been the uh, outside air temperature um, sensor going through the window um, and I remember that's kind of sobering it's like whoa look at that that's interesting <laughs> um, and uh, and he also took it very seriously and we I, I forget exactly how he resolved it found a different ele- you know altitude or something like that but uh, the only time I want an airplane and ice mixed together is when i'm getting a drink in the cabin related yeah it's if it's in association with the Qantas uh, snack cart right right yeah. right yeah right. and there's this story uh you know we're, we're when we're in our flight training we're taught about icing we're taught to stay out of visible moisture when the outside air temperature is 30 or below mm-hmm. uh and the implication is that you can only ice up if you're in visible moisture, which I found not to be true. Uh, a night flight uh, from uh, Louisville back to uh, Augusta, Kansas, uh, in the Comanche uh, some years ago is December. Uh, there had been a big ice storm move through the area the day before. Uh, but it was clear night, uh, no moon. The stars were spectacular. And Annie says, hey, Doc, uh, are you getting ice over there? Because the leading edge on my wing is a different color than the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, shouldn't be. I mean, we're not in the clouds or anything. And sure enough, we were developing light rime ice mm-hmm. and as it turned out, what was happening was the humidity was about 98%. Uh, okay. The temperature was about 30. The moisture was condensing on the cold skin of the airplane mm-hmm. and then freezing. Yeah. But there was no visible moisture. And uh, we checked in with flight service, found an airport close by that had an open runway and diverted there and uh, had about... A, a quarter of an inch of ice on the leaning edge uh, in the last 50 miles that it took us to get there. Mm, uh, yeah. Very very sobering because I'd, yeah. I'd been flying around for years on the, uh, the idea that if you're not in visible moisture, you won't ice up. Right. And, well... No. Eh, wrong yeah, right, answer. Right. Yeah. So, Jeb, you, you're a Florida guy. You don't. You know what snow is, right? Yeah, I know what snow is. That's why I'm in. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no snow is worth all the other things. Yes. yes sort of. Yeah. Maybe, there's, there's flying in snow and then there's living with snow. Yeah. And, right. and uh, I don't have to do either of those things. But uh, yeah. So any other thoughts before we move on here? No. On, uh, um, um, flying in snow, as long as, the, as long as the temperatures are cold enough. It's not a yeah. thing because right. because the snow will stay frozen. It won't adhere to the airplane. Right. The, the, exactly. the, 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 the airplane will be the same temperature or close to the same temperature as the surrounding sure. air. And as long as that's, you know, I'll say, you know, 30 Fahrenheit or below 30, uh, you don't really have a whole lot to worry about. Um, and, you know, everything being equal, uh, the colder it gets, the less worry you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when you're on the cusp of 31, 32, 33, and you're in snow, you might want to take an extra peek or two outside. Yeah. Um, but ice is certainly nothing to, to play with. Um, 
um, just as, as uh, let, let, let's just simply, well, I'll, the best example I have is, is uh, about the phrase known icing and why you shouldn't be flying around in ice in non-approved airplanes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, years ago, I was on my way back from California and uh, in the debonair, and I was letting down into one of my favorite fuel stops, which is Winslow, Arizona. And um, letting down, I went through a couple of white puffies. There, IFR wasn't any big deal. There wasn't any real turbulence in them. But when I came out the other side of those white puffies, uh, there was ice on the windshield, uh, clear ice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I didn't, and yeah, it was it was right on the you know the thirty, thirty one, thirty two uh, Fahrenheit uh, uh, temperature, and um, didn't didn't really accumulate on the airplane that I thought or that I saw, and um, pretty soon I was again descending. So pretty soon I was in warmer air anyway, and I didn't pay it any 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 mind. I landed, taxied up to the self serve pumps, shut down, climb out, and I hear this hissing noise. I'm like what in the hell is that? Yeah, and I, I hop down and I start looking around, and one of the f- main fuel tank vents is urinating 100 low lead onto the ramp. I'm okay, like, what is this? And and I quickly went and released and opened the fuel cap for that tank, and it stopped. And what had happened is one of the vents froze. Huh? The, it was the, actually the overflow that was that was leaking the gas. The vent for that tank got plugged with ice, and as I descended, um, the pressure increased inside the tank and started pumping fuel overboard. Wow! And so ice is not just a lift issue. A, ice is not just a lift drag weight issue. It can also foul up your fuel vents, as one example. Interesting. Well, okay. All right. Well, yep, winter's coming. The uh, winter is coming. What's the man that's what the man said, right? Yeah, winter that's is coming. The, that's the that was a promo for uh uh, that, yeah, that Game HB, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game, you're just so it, that's why you shouldn't I think every airplane ought to have a heated pedo. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Heated pedo. Okay. Action, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. You, you you find yourself in conditions that you had no intention of entering. Uh and no way to avoid it. And you, now you get a plug pedo tube, uh, you lose your airspeed, lose accurate altimeter reading, lose vertical speed uh, accuracy. Uh, and like Jeb says, I, ice is an airframe issue. It's an aerodynamic issue. It's a weight issue. Uh, there are more ways for it to mess you up than there uh, are uh wheels on your airplane okay i was wondering where you were going with that all right well thank you guys it's fork time i, I uh, think urinating 100 low lead should be the, the title of this i episode. don't know what to do with that i just have no idea what i'm going to do with that all right like a debonair on a hot ramp <laughs> let it right. let it sizzle let it sizzle let me thank you guys uh, and just get you someplace where you can't do more damage um <laughs> Dave Higdon. Dave's a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at abbuyer.com and aea.net. And on Twitter, he is Real Higdon. And uh, Jeb Burnside, the oh so classy Jeb Burnside. Is. Hey, hey. <laughs> 
He is. Uh, don't has, don't make has, me come up there. He has a very nice home, though. I like his home a lot. Uh, has a free, is, he's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and also as a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter at as avsafetymag, and uh, you can also find his work at aea.net and avweb.com. On Twitter, he is Burnside J. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, twitter.com Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Keto old age. Airtime, baby, airtime, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So get old, go fly. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And remember, you can land anywhere once. Once. We don't have to be lost in space. I can fly the Jupiter 2 and get us back home to Earth. Warning, 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 warning. Silence, you belligerent bucket of bolts. Dr. Smith, you must not take the controls until you have received a safety briefing. Oh, all right then, go ahead. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Silence, you cantankerous clump of cogs. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the spacecraft, uh, airplane. Are you that finished? That is all. What did you that say? That is all. Then yes, shut I up that finished. silly speaker. Oh, where is Jack Hodgson when you need him? You may proceed. All right, then. Here we go. Danger, 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 danger. All right. Uh, you can talk a few more minutes here. Uh, anything uh, you got? You know, nobody needs a break. We haven't gone that long here. No. Um, so I, my wristwatch. I, why did we? Well, how did wristwatch come up? Even talking about digital versus analog time. Digital telling. versus analog, right? And wristwatches. So I hadn't worn a wristwatch in, and I don't think I talked about this on the podcast. I, I used to when I was younger. I, I wore a wristwatch all the time, a lot. All right, and um, about the time I moved to California, I stopped wearing a wristwatch because I didn't like the tan line that it was putting on my wrist. All right, um, and so I chose to stop wearing a wrist wristwatch when I was living in this sunny, beautiful climate, all right? Um, and that's like 25 years ago, all right? So now a few years back, um, my beloved Apple comes out with what is apparently a pretty cool device in the form of a wristwatch, the Apple Watch, all right? Um, and uh, I and because I didn't, I thought, I looked at it, I said, that's a cool gadget, but I really don't want to wear a wristwatch, so I'm not buying one. So for a couple of years, I hadn't bought one. Um, and then, uh, coincidentally, or, in, or not coincidentally, it was 172 Drew who beat me down. He, he had been, you know, you got to get a wristwatch. I mean, all my Apple friends were saying this, but he was the one who finally tipped the scales, and he beat me down and, and, and got me to buy a, an Apple Watch. And so about three, four months ago now, um, I got an Apple Watch, all right, uh, and obviously started wearing it on my, on my left wrist. I'm, I'm shocked by this. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and so two things happen. Um, first of all, I very quickly decided that I do like it as a gadget. It's kind of handy, all right? Because um, uh, it, 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 it does not only does notifications, but actually the notifications part... Uh, bugs me a little bit. It, it it notifies me way too often. I've got to try and figure out how to tone down the notifications, and I haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, but as a as a, uh, a quick reference output device, like for when I'm I'm working out and I want to know how long I'm how I'm doing, um, or or good notifications like reminders and things like that. And also, I can talk to Siri through. The, oh, don't say that. I almost woke up the watch. Almost woke up that 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 device <laughs> i can't say that um and uh so i like that so there's many things i like about the watch uh, uh i'm all right the problem is that i started to develop a, a, a rash on my wrist underneath the watch all right after about well, two we know what causes rashes jack <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry that you're talking about this in a, in a right. family podcast <laughs> well okay yeah um it is a little okay uh so uh <laughs> So I just started. I started to get a little bit of redness underneath the watch, and this was back and still in the in the you know, hot part of the summer. And at first, I thought, and people told me, they said it's it's sweat. It's like you got to like make sure that you know you don't build up sweat underneath there, and make sure you you know. And the other problem is that the the wristwatch wants you to be war- wants to be worn twenty four seven. All right, I mean they they want you to wear it all the time because it's collecting all kinds of fitness information, sleep patterns, and you know I mean kind of cool stuff. All right, but I was getting a rash underneath my wrist all right and so i started trying different things and i would like you know kind of like take it off and make sure it was cleaned every night and and you know why just things right um and it would get a little better and then it would come back a little worse and then it would get a little better and it would come back well it reached the point where i'm telling you man it was like a flesh-eating bacteria thing my it was nasty all right my wrist got red and i have pictures i literally went to see my doctor about it all right um because it was so nasty uh and uh and so I actually took the wristwatch off for about two weeks, and so that I could get my my <laughs> kind of skin condition back under control, and uh, finally have. And so now I'm wearing it again, but it very nearly rotted my wrist off. I guess that's really, the, yeah. I mean, I, it was. I, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a nasty rash. I mean, and it was more than just under. It was like maybe three or four times the width of the of the watch, um, and uh, and and so. What what the internet has told me um, is that in my case it may not have simply been a moisture sweaty kind of um, I- irritation. Um, the internet tells us that many people have so the one of the alloys that's in the wrist in the watch um, it, it, the backside of the watch is actually glass and it's this strengthened glass and I, apparently one of the alloys that or one of the materials that they use to make the watch the glass strong is nickel. All right. Um, and apparently a lot of people's skin reacts to nickel. Um, and uh, although I haven't been tested specifically for that, that's my current working hypothesis, all right, is that I, in fact, have a skin sensitivity to the nickel. Uh, because, I, for example, for a while I, I changed it to my other wrist just to kind of like get it off the wrist that was all nasty. And the other wrist, within a day or two, would start to get red too. So I think I was developed. So now... I'm wearing the watch with a, a sweatband. I literally have created a little like sleeve thing that is on my wrist, so that the watch 
so that my skin is being touched by the cotton of the cloth and the and the uh, wristwatch. And it's been great now. I've been wearing it again for almost a week now, and there's no recurrence of the rash. So, at but some do point, all the other functions work? You um, know, like your heart monitor. Uh, and, that's a good. Que- that's a very valid question. All right, and it appears yes. Um, uh, it, it's uh, uh, as near as I can tell. Yes. Now the newest watch. They just announced a brand new watch the other day um, that not only does heartbeat but does, um, um, uh, what do they call it, pulse ox, um, does uh, uh, oxygen percentage. Um, and that's kind of cool, especially in these days of, of COVID. Um, but I don't have that watch, and that might not work through the cloth. I don't know. But uh, um, So I'm, I'm experimenting with different different ways of, of, of basically um, you know, putting barriers in there um, to uh, protect my skin from my watch, which... Because so my if my arm my hand falls off my hand falls off but I need to have the latest gadgets that's all I have to say and uh, I uh, have nothing to add to any of this okay do you you don't wear wear scratch do you I don't yeah I know because see you don't even wear hats you're, you this has been a problem this has been a UCAP problem since the beginning of time excuse me well it would be such a natural for us to have a hat I mean you know Jeff Ward once actually made a a a, a, a pirate. You, I'm uncontrolled airspace hat. Just a he U. Decided, a U cap, yes. The, the U cap, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, but but we've been unable over the years to ever do hats. I, I'm happy. As, I'm happy to do hats as swag. Yeah, but you won't wear it. I won't wear. I'm, I'll take. I can take pictures of me wearing it, but I'm not going to wear it routinely. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. Um, because I just don't, I just, the whole thing just bothers me. I don't know why. I know. I, I, I mean, I'm not, ch- I, well, I guess I'm trying to make fun of you a little bit here, but, but mostly, yeah. Yeah. Know, I, I, I noticed that. I, I mean, noticed I, that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't wear a wristwatch for a long time, but, uh, and, uh, no, I didn't either, but I went back to one about five years ago because I got tired of digging my phone out of my pocket to push the button to tell me what time it was. But, I mean, there's clocks everywhere. Well, that's what I discovered over the, the years, the, right? The, that I, the Bimmers got two. Yeah. One yeah. on the radio yeah. and one in the, in the uh, yeah. instrument cluster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I also, in, in my years of not wearing a wristwatch, I, I long ago learned that you kind of get used to where the clocks are in your world. You know, I mean, not only in your home, but, you know, as your, you know, the, the various places that you go, your your, your local uh, coffee place or your whatever, right? Um, uh, this, this, the microwave has a clock. The, right. Uh, you know? The kitchen stove. Has a clock, right? The cable boxes have clocks, right? Uh, so clocks are are pretty easy to come by these days. Yeah. Although, I will also confess, though, that during the week and a half, two weeks that I took the Apple Watch off because of the wrist rot, um, uh, the first day that I had no watch, I didn't have the Apple Watch on. I must have looked at my wrist for the time four or five times that day, right? <laughs> and, and and it even made me laugh every time. I got really Jack. I didn't even know you were doing that, but you are apparently. So, so that's my uh, my story here. I don't know. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. No. 